We really love sharing a cup of something wonderful with our friends and neighbors. We don't all vote the same way or go to the same church. We don't share the same favorite colors or drink orders at the local coffee shop. We don't always agree, but we've found that it's easier to understand someone when you sit heart to heart, cups in hand. There's room to share what God is brewing in me and what God is brewing in you, and then watch how that understanding infuses our lives. Welcome to You Brew You, the podcast. God, I thank you for an opportunity to get to spend, Lord, I just take any time that I get to spend with Laurel, but I especially thank you for this time, for an opportunity for us to talk about her mama, my sweet friend, Sherry Brown. And I thank you that we can talk about her even after so much hurt and sadness with such great joy. Thank you for all that I've learned from Laurel over the years. And thank you for the wisdom and the beauty that I see in her. And I just ask that you would take this time and make it yours. That what would come from us would be of you and not of ourselves. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And we just ask you to let Sherry just listen in on this little conversation. (laughs) (laughs) She's so present. I just know it. We love you. And we love her. And we love each other. How fun is that? Oh, God, you're so good. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, girly. Hi. <laughs> Y'all, I um, I remember meeting Laurel, but she was little. She was really little. Um, I also remember that um, I was a brand, brand new mama. Um, when I met Laurel and I needed, I don't even remember what I needed to go and do, but I asked her mom who was a coworker of mine who became a fast friend and one of my mommy mentors, her mom, Sherry Brown. I said, Sherry, I need somebody to take care of Keaton while I go to whatever it was. And I said, and I would really like to ask Laurel. And I think, were you in the third grade? I think so. I was either in third or fourth grade, and I think it was a meeting you had to go to, like a random night, too. Like, it was weird. And so, like, I drop her off. Like, I'd never left Keaton with anybody but, but like, grandparents, godparents. And so I said, I'd like Laurel to take care of her, knowing that Sherry wasn't going to be out of the house. I mean, that Laurel was going to take care of Keaton, but that Sherry was probably the adult in charge there but do you remember (laughs) do you remember me doing that oh yeah no I remember because Keaton arrived to the house and I immediately tried barricading us in my bedroom so that (laughs) I could do it all by myself (laughs) I don't know if you ever knew that but I mean I was contemplating because I had that big like I had big antique furniture that was like a big set, and I was trying to decide which piece would be the easiest to push in front of the door to keep somebody <laughs> out, so I could have that time just proving myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, as, as the quintessential babysitter. Um, exactly. That was not the first time that Laurel endeared herself to me, but it was definitely um, it spoke to the fact that I had such trust in Laurel at a very early age to leave my baby with her. Um, And over the years, her mom was such a mentor to me. I remember calling her at one point because one of them, well, it had to be Keaton. Keaton was holding her breath till she turned blue. And do you remember this? And I called your mom and I was like, she's holding her breath. I think she's going to pass out. And Sherry goes, she's going to pass out. She'll be fine. And I was like, what do you mean she's going to pass out? It's going to be fine. And Sherry was like, they come too. It's fine. And just everything. She was so nonplussed by all of that drama. Um, yeah, she grew, she grew Sydney, I mean. <laughs> Poor Sid. Um, Love Sid. <laughs> but y'all, I, 
we're gonna have a lovely talk today with one of my most precious friends, um, but gifts, one of the most precious gifts in my life, sweet Laurel Copeland Brown. So I'm gonna ask you to scooch over and make room at the table for my baby bear. Hey, Laurel. Hi. How you doing? I, I'm good for the first time in a while, so yeah. I'm good, yeah. Things are, I don't know, I know we talked about this recently, but I finally feel like the cards are kind of stacking in my favor, like, I got the best hand at the table, and hey. I'm just kind of playing through it until I start losing money again, and that's okay. <laughs> So, tell with my grandfather too long. <laughs> <laughs> tell my friends who you are and what you do and who lives at home with you, including fur babies. Okay, good, because they make up most of the population here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I am Val Copeland Brown. I am 22, almost 23 years old. I currently am working at a CBD shop here in the Bernie San Antonio area. Um, and I live with my ornery 81-year-old grandfather, <laughs> whom I love very dearly. He is a, he was in the first class of UDT Navy SEALs, and then he was a lawyer, and now he is a priest, so. He's done it all. Yeah, good guidance there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he manages to get through day by day with my lovely, uh, Old English Bulldog, Khaleesi, and my... Uh, loud and rambunctious uh, cat, Minnie Minerva McGonagall. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And then um, currently in life, you know, I'm working at the CBD store for a couple that goes to my parents' church, and I just feel so blessed to have, you know, been introduced to them and to have been able to find them because they're such great bosses and mentors and. Fun people to work for. Awesome. Fun, fun people. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned your parents. Um, and I want uh, to just so that people know that this is um, an episode that could be a trigger for some people, right? Oh, um, yeah. Because we're going to be talking about um, cancer and we're going to be talking about death and we're going to be talking about blended families and whatever else comes up in, in the mix. But, um, want to just ask you if you can tell us your earliest memory of your mommy my friend sherry brown so my earliest memory of my mom i was thinking about this earlier and it was actually at my fourth birthday party um and <laughs> it was a blues clothes themed party and we were living in Manor, texas outside of austin it was before we moved to houston because we moved to houston just shortly after my fourth birthday. And uh, <laughs> we, I went inside to the kitchen because I'd watched my dad accidentally lose the balloon he'd been holding, and I wanted to make sure he had another blue balloon so that he was, you know, at the party. And um, so I go inside, and my two cousins that are closest in age to me follow me in. And uh, one of my cousin's older stepsister followed us in as well and had her hands on her hips in the big girl in the room stance and said, what do you think you're doing in here? There's a party going on outside. You don't have permission to be in here. And it had just so happened that my mom had walked in the doorway behind her, unbeknownst to my step-cousin at the time, and she had her signature very wide, cherry brown eyes, <laughs> and said just softly behind her, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but you're not going to talk to my daughter, the birthday girl, that way. Mm. And so she helps me. She comes over, and I remember the balloon tied to her, and she was like, that was so sweet of you to think of your daddy, and helped me untie the balloons. And Aww. that was that. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was <laughs> only child, <laughs> or not only child, oldest child right there. But also very Sherry, right? Oh, yeah. Such a champion yeah. for the underdog. Always, always, always. Absolutely. And, and besides the fact that, you know, somebody was talking down to her daughter, it was in the bowl. 
somebody just blatantly being rude like that. Like, step cousin had no reason to come through and just kind of boss. She yeah. had no position, no power. It was not her house. It was my mom's house. And by golly, she was not going to let anybody be talked to, especially her daughter. <laughs> it's cutting out a little bit, but hopefully we're we're finding a good spot here. Um, share with us if if you if you feel led to um well i mean we already talked about how we're going to talk about this but the Mm -hmm. story of your mom's battle with cancer your mom and dad were married for a, a lot of a lot of years and you have two biological sisters um mm-hmm. and so share with us a little bit about the story of of your mom's battle with cancer so my mom was first, I mean, this is all going to be from my perspective because I don't really know the timeline from hers, but uh, too young and everything, but she was first diagnosed when I was in the second grade. Say that um, again because it cut out. Sorry, the second grade? She was first diagnosed, yeah, when I was in second grade. And then, you know, she had this battle with cancer. And I remember, you know, when they shaved her head for the first time mm-hmm. and how sick, sick she was and they gave us this little book that had been illustrated for kids to try to understand what their parents are going through and it had like little sharks as blood cells <laughs> it was wow. I mean and I remember it saying that you know sometimes mommy will feel queasy and her face will be a little green and just trying to understand like trying to explain it to kids in the simplest terms you know the sharks were attacking the good cells in her body and ripping them up and making her sick and turn and anyways um so she went through a treatment and was sick all the time and I remember the class got a gift basket of goodies for her to help her feel better and just everything like that and (laughs) then she um was able to beat cancer and go into remission, and um, from there she went three years cancer-free, and then got was diagnosed again when I was in the fifth grade. And so they they had come back, and had come back with a vengeance, and they were fighting it as best they could. Um, and they ended up, you know, getting to the point where they could do a so that you know they could try to prevent the cancer from returning again. Um, somewhere in that timeline, she also had a hysterectomy and, you know, was going through menopausal earlier than I think she'd ever intended yeah. or thought she would. Because she you know, was in they her were 40s, doing it. right? Yeah, so at this point, she'd probably just turned 40. No, she was probably 42, 41, 42. So still, you know, young. Yeah. And then um, she... Let's see. Yeah, no, she was 41 at this point because the following year, um, or later that year, she'd been re-diagnosed. And um, it was looking okay, but then January 2008, on her 43rd birthday, they found that the cancer had metastasized to her spine, her skull, and her liver, and things were bleak. Um, I remember... Later on, you know, after she ended up passing, that my dad had said that they'd given her a life expectancy of five weeks, um, terminal diagnosis on her birthday, and from there she ended up uh, starting on a new drug that they were testing here in San Antonio. And so we were staying with grandparents and friends from the school and things like that, and uh, she had this great nurse named Buddy that always made her feel special and like she was going to kick its butt, and unfortunately, um, in May, she ended up having a stroke one day, she was driving us home from school, and uh, we ended up making it home, and and then it was a Friday afternoon, and the next morning, I remember my dad coming and getting me, and my youngest sister, Sydney, who was five, just turned six, maybe, at the time, yeah, She had just turned seven in 2008 and um, told us, you know, I have to take mommy to the hospital and she might not come home. So it's very important that you help me get her into the car and tell her you love her. And so I remember 
walking Sydney and my mom down the front path when my dad pulled the car around so that we kind of had that moment together. And I remember her telling me, you know, it hurts. It feels like there's a train going through my head and daddy just needs to help me fix this and the doctors are going to do that. And so she went to the hospital and I later found out that they'd immediately, you know, gone into surgery to try to stop the bleeding and they'd been unable to and they'd been able to make some sort of patch but it wasn't going to hold and she wasn't going to survive it and so they had her on an intubator and I remember the following Monday um, our grandmother had come into town over the weekend to take care of us and um, she picked us up from school and we were excited because that meant we got to go see mommy and we were excited because I got out of gym mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't have to go to gym class and it was it was great. It was a Monday and never got to leave school early on Mondays. And so they're walking us um, into the hospital, take us up the elevator, and take us to a small room with the chaplain and you and tell us, you know, she's not going to look the same. She's not going to be able to talk to you. Um, but just talk to her and she'll be, her hands are. I remember very specifically being told that her hands were going to be tied to the bed and it was going to seem scary, but it was just so she didn't pull it out and scare us all even more and that it was helping her stay alive and helping her breathe. And I remember going into the room and how just jaundice she was and thin, and that was yeah. the first time she'd looked thin in forever because the chemo had made her put on weight, as did all the Dr. Pepper that she supplemented with um, <laughs> sugar <laughs> but she ended up passing away um, two days later on Wednesday May 21st 2008 my parents 12th wedding anniversary I believe and I thought it was their uh, 14th 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 you're right you're right <laughs> sorry I no, you're right. That's, you're totally right. <laughs> Why did I think it was 12? That's weird. I think is that how old you were? I was, no, yeah, I was 11. I turned 12 that summer. Yeah. 94. Yeah. Yeah. 94, 2008, 14 years. You're right. I, <laughs> it's all good. Surprise. I was 12. Can you blame me? <laughs> um, but yeah, she ended up passing away um, on Wednesday the 21st and I, I remember being sad because she was gone but I remember feeling relieved that she wasn't sick and she wasn't in pain and she wasn't hurting and I mean I just, I just remember there being days where I might not see her because she didn't leave bed I remember being days where I needed a hug and I couldn't hug her because she was in too much pain. Yeah. And so I remember just being so sad, but I mean, also just, it's it's weird now remembering that feeling of relief that I didn't recognize at the time because it almost made me sick to think of what it might have been. Sure. But, and feeling guilty for feeling relieved and just later on, you know, finding little letters and things that she'd written us or things that, She'd send us or finding little notes with her handwriting on it, knowing that, you know, it was the right thing to be feeling because she was hurting and she knew it was time to go. And it wasn't, I don't know, it's weird to say that she fulfilled her purpose when she had three daughters to mother, but I mean, it happened. It did. And you, um, and I have talked over the years about the importance of not stopping talking about her, right? Yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. That there have, right before all of this happened, um, Ron and I lost the twins. Um, yep. And then on the heels of losing the twins, found out that I was pregnant with Carson. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember your mom threw us a... Uh, a baby shower and I said to her um Sherry I you know I can't wait for you to hold my baby and she said um I'm not gonna get to do that and I was so mad at her oh I was 
sorry yeah. i was pissed because i was like oh, yeah. don't don't give up you know fight fight and your mama had fought a long <laughs> hard hard fight and there toward the end, her body was so young and strong and her heart was so strong, but that cancer was just relentless, just relentless. And mean. yes, and just so it was so hard to watch. At one point I got in the bed next to her and we spooned. This is such a kind of a weird thing to tell you. But, I love this story. <laughs> but we spooned. Um, cause I wanted her to hold Carson so bad and Carson was just kicking the heck out of your mom's kidneys. Um, and so in my heart, you know, she, she knew Carson in a way that I didn't know her yet. And, um, oh, yeah. because there was, they were so close in that, that passing, um, cause two weeks after Sherry, passing of the yeah. Because two weeks after Sherry died, Carson came into our world, and it was just such a such a, a heart, a tension, a weird tension, um, and something that was hard to wrap my brain around. Like I'm supposed to be grieving and celebrating, and yeah, and I've I, just been blessed and cursed at the, at the same, or cursed and blessed. Yeah, and and also not knowing how to shepherd you guys in any ways as your children's minister, but as, as in some ways your mom put some surrogates in your lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. I don't, I don't want to, um, claim that in, in the sense that like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want, I want, yeah, absolutely. She, she knew what, what her girls were going to need. And she made sure that, she left little bits of herself with her friends um, in such lovely ways. And I am, I am richer, fuller, better for having known her. And the fact that she left you with us, um, our lives are richer, fuller, better because of you. So, um, oh, I know. Okay. Let's, You're let's make me cry again. No, no, no. Let's Yeah. But, but like I, like I said, though, we've talked over the years about the importance of not stopping talking about your mom. Oh, yeah. And, and to not, I mean, is it weird? Do people, when they find out that your mom has passed, as we say in the South, you know, as, as though we have to kind of clutch our pearls or something about it. Um, Absolutely. Do, do they just get weird? What happens when people? Well, I avoid telling people that. I lost my mom for as long as I can in a new relationship, as weird as that sounds, because the second you say it, the room gets... Okay, where did I cut this time? <laughs> Let's go back to... Um, to um, where you said it's the biggest social faux pas. So oh, it's the biggest social faux pas because people don't know how to respond. And 90% of the time, the first thing people say is, I'm sorry. And my first response is, why? You you didn't kill her. It was the cancer. Right. And you couldn't have stopped the cancer. You're not a doctor. Right. And the doctors couldn't have stopped the cancer because we don't have the, the medicine or the information or the technology still 11 years yeah. later. And, you know, it... And, and, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, it just, it felt weird because I'd come to peace with the terms that it was just her time. She had fulfilled her purpose. And, I mean. I also feel like. <laughs> how can we stop that? I also feel like sometimes if I say, you know, we lost twins, people almost mm -hmm. look like I've offended that, like people. And yeah. I'm like, what, why are you offended? You know. And so I'm like, yeah. huh. So then I think I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to talk about them. And so then I suppress it and I push it down like, like it's something to be ashamed of or whatever. And that's so unhealthy. <laughs> it's so not, oh, so yeah. not what I think yeah. God would have me do. Because, I mean, yesterday was Mother's Day, right? 
And mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. And you yeah. have thoughts about your mom. I have thoughts about what life would have been like if that had been. If you had right. twins Holy today, God. yeah. And oh man, there's yeah. never a point where I think, oh, thank God. I just think how different mm-hmm. my life would be, right? And there's nothing wrong with having, absolutely. you know, you wondering at 22, almost 23, what would my mom and I be doing this Mother's Day? There's nothing weird about that. There are times, I mean, especially with just how my life has gone since she's passed, where, you know, I just sit and think, you know, <laughs> what would she be telling me if she was here today? You know, what would the conversation be we've had I mean especially with my last three years and the relationship I was in but I mean on top of that when my grandmother passed away my freshman year of college how would you know she have helped me through that how you know what how would my life be different if my grandmother hadn't passed away my freshman year of college and I'd probably have a degree right now which would be great (laughs) but that's a whole other thing B, like it just because not having her or my grandmother in my life, some of the most vivid dreams I've had, it's almost like they've been visitations. Mm. And now I'm going to sound to start like a hippie, but I started balancing my chakras about three years ago and just listening to binaural waves and binaural sounds as I go to sleep and as I'm sleeping. And I've noticed that I just have some of the most vivid dreams. And when... You know, especially in the last three years, when I've been my most stressed, I just have these moments where it's, and it's not even my mom as she was dying. It was my mom when I was a baby. It was my mom the first time her hair grew back. It it switches around which version of my mom it is, but we're sitting down having a glass of wine or a cup of tea and And talking. Like, it's a real conversation. And they're never words that I heard or words that were said because half of the time when I'm thinking about what she'd be saying, there are things that I was not thinking about as an 11-year-old, you know? And they were just, I just have these dreams where it's like she's visiting me and she's sitting and we're chatting, just like you and I are right now, like, I, I've had dreams where I've been on FaceTime with her, and it's just been crazy. And I mean, everything that happened happened for a reason. And I wouldn't be the person I am today if I wasn't, if I hadn't gone through it, and if I hadn't experienced it. And so, and that takes it back full circle. So when people apologize for her having passed away, I I'm not because it was supposed to happen the way that it happened. Of course, I wish my mom was, of course, I wish that when I moved back home and moved in with my grandfather, I was moving in with my mom and my dad instead, but it just wasn't in the cards, and that's okay. And I learned from the experience, and I became a big old softy because of it, and I smothered my sisters because of it, and <laughs> we've had a lot of stuff to work through in our relationships because of it, but it's fine. <laughs> Share with us, share with us what you remember most about your mom. What I remember most, um, the color red, Dr. Pepper, Queen, the police. I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, I don't, I don't remember her smell. Uh, we listened to a, voice recording together recently and I I don't that's not how I remember her voice um I remember her handwriting I remember her hands I could her hands I remember her hands because I got I got got her her fingers fingers. and yeah yeah. and I got my dad's toes (laughs) she had very distinct my mom's fingers and my dad's feet as well and she always always had her toes painted perfect Uh bright red Uh yeah Yep. Um, and, gosh. Your mom. I remember her saying, holy moly. I remember her saying, goodness gracious. Um, I remember hearing her <laughs> say shit for the first time. <laughs> you can do it, but I don't mind. Your mom remembers the first time I said it for her. <laughs> well, I remember... 
we used to do these lunches, <laughs> these epic lunches. There was, there was a lady that used to, um, because I don't have her permission to tell the, the story and it doesn't really matter, but I, um, I don't want to use names if I don't have permission. So anyway, there was a little older lady mm -hmm. in the church who always brought in these cherry flavored Hershey kisses or cherry cordial kind of Hershey kisses or whatever. And she would say, oh, those are my favorite, the, the table. It was really kind of the workroom like counter. And we would, we would use these little stools and we would sit around and this, this sweet lady would mm -hmm. put out these napkins and everybody would get a little Hershey. Hershey's kiss with the chocolate with the cherry cordial in it or whatever. And I remember at some point I hadn't been at Holy Spirit very long and your mom came in and she had a knife and she had an apple and I, and the apple, to be honest, was the, the size of a small child's head. And I was like, where did you get that apple? And she said, Oh, you've never had a, hum a honey crisp. And I said, no, but like, how much did that thing cost you? Because I mean, that was a huge <laughs> apple. It was like a three dollar. And that apple. was your mom's lunch. I mean, she was just, yeah, just go rogue like that. Just, yep, yep. Well, and the crazy thing was, it wasn't just Honeycrisp she could find that big. It was Pink Ladies, <laughs> and Pink Ladies are my favorite apples to this day because of my mother. And I swear I have never been able to find one as large as the ones she used to find and I don't know if it's because of the GMOs in the world you know now they're removing them and they're going back to the normal size or what but but I mean she had yeah. a gift for that she had a gift for produce oh yeah she had a gift for produce um and um Uncle Sam flax cereal <laughs> <laughs> sorry mommy <laughs> Didn't mean to spill the beans. <laughs> she had the quickest wit. I mean, just lightning fast. And she was she was that kind of scary smart that you knew just like Sydney yeah, now. Yeah. You knew you were outsmarted. You knew you were outwitted. You couldn't you couldn't go toe to toe with that woman. But you tried. She'd turn with, like, a smirk on her face, too, when she was ready uh -huh. to give it to you. She'd turn, and she'd just kind of, and just yep. go. Yep. Absolutely. Oh. oh, man. And she was stubborn, and I know that because I am stubborn and have been told many times who I inherited it from. Hey. Wink, wink, my mother. I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, if it's just stubborn. I think there's also an incredible uh, tenacity. There's a that's exactly what I was going to call it. Intuitiveness. <laughs> Somebody who just like a dog on a bone. Um, <laughs> I can remember your mom bringing the dogs to St. Francis Blessing of the Animals. Oh, our chemo yeah. dogs. Yeah. I feel like I should explain Go that now that Go I've said chemo dogs. So when when my mom would get sick. And she'd have a really hard day at chemo. She'd come home and she'd sit in her little armchair and put her feet up and cuddle up in a blanket and go on breeder websites. And so we had two miniature Australian shepherds from a breeder in Hamilton, Texas, that I drove through this weekend for the first time since getting Z 16, 14 years ago. Um, and then we also got a Bernese Mountain Dog. <laughs> with the last round of chemo. <laughs> right before she died, we'd gotten this big old puppy dog that my dad was going to have to deal with pretty soon. But, um, Chili, the first mini has since passed. I saw Z this weekend. She is a senior dog now and had a close call last week, but has made a seeming recovery. Um, but little wiggly butts continue San Francis blessing of the animals <laughs> with Chili and Z. She, um, she, she had the ability to parent without anxiety or I guess maybe that's not fair. I'm not trying to like saint your mom or anything like that, but like she didn't appear to have anxiety about being your mom. Whereas I felt like I led with anxiety in, in the beginning of being a mom. Your mom, 
And she, granted, she was farther down the road, right? Yeah, I was going to say, by the time that, you know, you had met her, she had three daughters that she had successfully wrangled, and so far, Sydney was the greatest challenge she had. I, my dad has told me multiple times, Chase and I were easy kids, and Sydney was the one that literally fought tooth and nail. And God, I love Sid the kid. So, but by that time, I, oh my gosh, and she's an incredible yeah. woman now, and I'm so excited for her future and the person that she's become. I saw her today, actually, coincidentally, we ran into each other at a coffee shop. Um, and it was a funny Sydney moment, but um, it was just, you know, by that time, when you came into the picture, she kind of, you know, she knew how Sydney was, and she'd finally gotten a wrangle on her toughest mm. child. And so any problem that you were going to have as a mom was <laughs> water under the bridge. Easy, cheesy, lemon, squeezy. Actually, I can remember Chase yeah. saying that. That was something that that group oh, of, yeah. of um, Chase and all all her little friends would say on the playground. For some reason, I remember that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I still say it, so. <laughs> um, uh, what are some things that you remember that were helpful that people did around the time that your mom died? And maybe maybe also some things that you that were not so helpful so in terms of helpful other than always being able to go to your office whenever and not really having anybody question why i was going there whenever um was a huge blessing but i also attended um the celebration of life for my dear dear sweet sweet incredible friend nancy rogers on saturday um, she passed in February, and so I've been reminiscing a lot, and Nancy was somebody that was there the entire time, and I spent, you know, every Friday from third grade on going over to her house and learning how to knit and kind of just having sanctuary there with her. Um, she and her husband lived in a luxury townhouse not even five minutes from our house, and so it was just this nice respite I got and it was my place to go and escape from my sisters and it was my place to be at peace and read Harry Potter and snuggle in front of the fire with somebody that was physically able to and not in pain and somebody that could comfort me on you know the night and the weekend and then fortunately when you moved closer you turned into that person even more and it was incredible but just having people that loved me unrelentlessly and and, and part of that is, you know, still to this day, that that has been the most monumental thing, is having those people that were there for me through thick and through thin, mm -hmm. and that I've been able to reconnect with and still continue a life with. And, and, and that was part of my grieving process, too, is that, you know, consistency and having the same people there. And, and I mean, I remember when I lost a lot of the people that had experienced me losing my mom, and I was so horribly depressed and I had you know just suddenly had this terrible anxiety that I had never been with before because I'd always been surrounded by people that had loved me and that had known me and you know then came a situation my junior year of high school when I lost all the people that I'd grown up with and that had witnessed this awful thing in my life and it was the people that stayed that helped me, I mean, continue my process of grief because, you know, by that time my dad had remarried and then, you know, there was a period where my dad and my stepmom had some issues and then, you know, they'd ended working out, working them out. But, you know, even Dora, my stepmom being somebody that didn't come into the picture until afterwards, has been somebody that just has helped my journey in grief and in recovery and then the continuation of life. Because she never gave up on me and never stopped. She never, I mean, at first I felt like, oh, I felt weird talking about my mom in front of her. But then I wanted to share her with her and, and help her know the person that raised me. So that she could know, know more about me and about who I was and what I value and cherish in my heart. And Dora has, you know, so easily come to know my heart and how I love and how to love me back and if people like her and like you and 
you know, people I've picked up in recent years that have been so accepting to allow me to talk about my mom and share who she was with them, because that was the hardest thing, too, is the people that didn't want me to talk about her because it made me upset, that didn't want me to talk about her because they didn't know how to let me talk about her and how to listen to me talk about her. Or it made them upset and, for you to talk about. I mean, and yeah. it made, oh my gosh, it, I mean, some people just don't get the therapy that comes in rejoicing in that love that you feel in your heart and crying about it because it's a joyful cry that you had them for yeah. a while you know, you didn't have them forever, but you had them for a while. And while you had them, they were 90% of the time the best person that they could be for you. And, and in my mom's case, the best mom that she could be through sickness and in health. And till death did she part. And just, yeah. The, the hardest thing... When overcome in, in my situation, the hardest thing I had to overcome was people that wouldn't let me talk about it, and people that were almost a little too pushy about wanting to talk mm. about it. There were some people that I barely knew that just wanted to talk and talk and talk about my mom, and as an 11-year-old kid, it was just so way above my head, and you know, nowadays, if somebody came up to me and was like, oh yeah, I had this great time with your mom, you know, I might record them telling me the story so I could remember it, but when there's an 11 year gap of, you know, not hearing from somebody, it's just, it's tough because there are people that I remember being so close with that, oh my gosh, no tea, no shade, <laughs> no tea, no shade, um, it's just, there are people that just kind of fell through the cracks and it's weird being surrounded by people that claim to love you so much and then 10 years later seeing the people that claimed it then and still claim it now and being able to cherish those people and, I mean, they're my family now and there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Thick as thieves, you and exactly. I. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. When, uh, I know that there are some people who, I am one, I will admit, Every once in a while, my mom pops out of my mouth and I don't always think, oh, yay. Or I see myself do something and, and I look down and I think, oh, my hands look a little bit like my mom. What are the things that like happen to you on the reg that you're like, oh, that is so my mom? Um, I, I attest my sweet tooth to her um, because I clearly, some of my most vivid memories going to Walgreens on the way home from school because driving down Memorial there's a Walgreens right to the right at Derry Ashford and Memorial and I remember going in and we were allowed to have a soda and a candy and every time I went in and got a three musketeers and either a diet coke which was I think is disgusting now a diet coke or a Dr. Pepper and then when my mom died I would go out of my way to have somebody take me to Walgreens or find a way to get my hands on a Dr. Pepper and a Mounds bar because she would move heaven and earth to get herself a Mounds bar. And <laughs> my love for dark chocolate is her fault. My love for all things sweet, especially chocolate, is her fault. My ankles, my ankles that have never let me be a coordinated human being are her fault. <laughs> But it's funny that you say, you know, you say things sometimes and hear your mom come out. Um, my boyfriend and I were in San Saba two weekends ago, and we were, in, you know, just walking up and down a little cute little main street, and they had this tea towel that you, like, hang over the oven rack. And so sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out. <laughs> it happens. It and, happens. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've had people tell me, well, stop mothering me. And I'm like, you know, it's just... It's in my being. I was raised doing my own dang laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stick to what I know. How would you say your faith but, has grown since losing your mom? My, my faith has been an interesting journey because for a long time there was a lot of denial in it. 
I didn't didn't know what to believe, didn't know who to believe, didn't know how to believe. I believed because I was raised being told I was a believer. And it, it, it sounds weird saying that, but I believed because it was expected mm. of me. And it's kind of grown in a way now that I don't really have a boundary set to it. I kind of got to a point where I was fed up with being told how to believe. And that especially happened in, like, my senior year of high school when, you know, you want to sleep in and you're being forced to go to church when, you know, you feel like you've got your own faith center. And, and that was something for me was in college getting, down, getting able to sit down and talk to open-minded individuals such as myself mm -hmm. and <laughs> talk about the fact that, you know, my religion isn't the foundations of a church. I claim to be Episcopalian through and through, baptized and confirmed, and I live with an Episcopal priest now. And Her grandfather, folks, you know, her grandfather. <laughs> Just a yeah, so my grandfather. My ordinary 81-year-old, <laughs> if we need to bring that back full circle. <laughs> but um, I, I just, my faith has grown in a way that I don't confine it in a pew and I don't confine it in a brick building I have taken bringing back my hippie stuff but <laughs> I've taken to seeing God in nature more often than not and in the inner workings of the world in such a way that I can't really define it in a traditional sense by a text like the Bible because I think I, yeah I believe in a huge portion of it if not a majority of it but all of those parts are to do with the naturalistic side of creation. I am such a creationalist in the way that there's no way a random big bang in space is all that caused this to be created. And, and you know, <laughs> somebody made that happen. Something made that happen. It was not some random accumulation of particles in space. It was a greater being that created this and created all of this for a purpose and we might not be the only creation and now i sound crazy and not just a hippie are you but, talking about aliens laurel is that what you're talking about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> girl i just but, think your mom would love to talk faith with you i think that i i've I feel like so much of my time with your mom was wrapped up in the church um, mm -hmm. that I think the fact that you are um, seeking and you're, you're looking, you're looking for God in, in nature. I think she would just love that. I just think she would love that. Well, and that's something crazy is that I don't, I don't remember talking about faith with my mom. I remember reading the Bible together and going to church together and laying on her office floor mm -hmm. <laughs> attached to the sanctuary. And, you know, I, I remember all that, but I don't ever remember her explicitly saying, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me. And, and it's not that I don't think that she didn't believe that. It's just, I don't have those memories of her. And so I, too, want to just, I wish I had the chance to sit down and have that conversation with her and say, you know, to what extent is your faith and how do you see God? Because that's, you know, a conversation I got to have with my grandmother before we passed. Because she, she was very similar to me in the way that, you know, creation was the biggest part of everything and the nature that... Nope. Gosh, hold on. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Hold on, let me send a text to this person real quick. <laughs> that, um, but that's just a conversation I would so love to have because it's something I got to talk about with my grandmother where, you know, we, we had a shared experience of seeing my mom in dreams and having conversations with my mom and having kind of out-of-body experiences mm -hmm. in a post-life relationship that was totally spiritual and totally ethereal and you know that's something I would have really loved to have been able to share with my mom and talk to her about because I know my aunt my dad's sister has experienced similar things where she's had conversations with my mom and my grandmother in dreams and 
that's something that we've shared because, you know, my aunt's somebody that just has Jesus above anybody else in her life. And I so respect that and I so value that and how it's shaped her life as a person and how it's helped her guide me in mm-hmm. life, just, just in the way it has with you and the way that, you know, your faith has been a huge, huge part of helping guide me forward in my life and how to share it. Oh, my gosh. Text message after text message. I swear, I'm never this popular. Hey, well, Jesus, you know, Mary, I like to, I like to, I like to bring that out in the, in all the people and all the things. Yeah. So, um, what's on the horizon for you? Um, just kind of playing it safe for now, letting things come as they come, and not really. I mean, it feels weird to say I'm not seeking anything right now but I'm just kind of letting life lead the way for once and I'm trying not to make any concrete plans Mm. because as I've been learning my plans never go according to plan and that's exactly the way it was supposed to be (laughs) planned and you know I I think I might return to school in the coming year and hopefully that will be at UNT I think that would be a really neat experience Um, I just so enjoyed my visit with my sister Chase this weekend and you know her finishing school there is definitely a driving force behind that my dad and my aunt having both attended there but, but to be close it just to felt Chase, like right? the right kind of place yeah. yeah Chase yeah she's going there and that's where she's graduating and and she'll be in the area indefinitely mm-hmm. so it'd be nice to kind of be able to be there near her for a little while until she decides what her next path is and just kind of get my undergrad out of the way to <laughs> Nice and expensive state school. Yay! <laughs> so, yeah. So we end a UBRU with three questions that we call a warm up. So okay. the first one is, "What's your favorite drink or thing to drink, and how do you take it?" You can have more than one. So you can have more than one. Oh, well, I was gonna say I've got an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic. <laughs> Go crazy, or just so I. I'm obsessed with Moscow Mules or Vodka Tonic right now because the ginger A helps me digest and makes me feel good and warm, and so does the vodka and the lime. Um, But it also connects to my favorite non-alcoholic beverage, a nice, crisp Topo Chico. (gasps) I did not know you were Uh drinking those right now because I am on a Topo Chico crazy high. Like I just love them so much. I stay hydrated yes. thanks to Thank Topo you. Chico. Literally, Topo Chico, please sponsor me. Yes, sponsor you, brew you, if you will, Topo Chico. Uh, oh, so, yes, sponsor you, brew so you. My, my oldest daughter, so Keaton, is uh, studying health, and she picked up my Topo Chico recently to see what the alcohol content was, and I said, it's just mineral water. It's just sparkling water. It has no alcohol in it. And she was like, yeah, and I, I think because she doesn't like the taste of it, she thought it has to be something. Oh, yes, it has to be yes. spiked. But um, alas, it was just topo and lime. So do you drink the hint of lime, the twist of lime, or do you put fresh put lime fresh in lime. it? It's a preference. But I love the grapefruit. Okay, see, I'm a little, I'm not a huge grapefruit gal. And it's weird because I love, like, fresh grapefruit with just a little bit of sugar on top. But this, I'll drink it. It's just not my favorite. I will always, always pick either just plain old Classico or Twist of Lime. Um, I went to a music festival at Lukenbach a couple weeks ago with Aaron, and um, Topo Chico was a sponsor. So your girl got free Topo Chico all day long. Sweet. And get this. They had, like, beer salts to mix into it, and they had this mango chile lime. And the girl said, you know, we've just been having people just dump it in. You do just a little sprinkle inside of the cup with Topo Chico, preferably twist of lime because then you get that extra lime. It is just... Okay, this needs to living my chamoy fantasy okay so i have been making mocktails with topo and bitters 
So I have cranberry bitters, okay. rhubarb bitters, and then just regular bitters. Cranberry bitters sounds Let delicious. Let me just say, I'm not going to lie, the rhubarb bitters, divine. Um, we have totally gone on a bunny trail here, but you did not say what I thought you were going to say. You did not say tea. You did not, you did not say it, and I am, I'm a little gobsmacked. I'm just going to admit it. I, this is going to gobsmack you a little more. Don't tell me you're off tea, because I don't know if I can handle that. I'm not, I'm not off tea. I just can't tell you the last time <gasps> I had a cup of tea. Laurel Copeland Brown. I am shocked and gobsmacked. Uh, so, so come to my house, gotten... dang it, and I will make you tea. <laughs> I know. I need Paris tea. That's that's kind of why is I've been too lazy to order any, and I just need to freaking press or just drive your happy honey over to my house because that's that's something we keep in stock here. Hello. Oh my goodness. I know you got me on it. I hope you have it in stock. Oh my goodness. Yes. As a matter of fact, it is. It's it's something that is in our cart on the reg. Um, with the, with the Zon. Okay. So what is one product or thing that you are loving right now? Shameless plugs are okay. That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> it's going to be a shameless plug because I am totally hooked on CBD right now. And you know, the reefer madness from the sixties <laughs> through the eighties is still puts such a heavy block on everybody's mind, but it's really such a good product. I mean, the benefits from it are countless and because it's been so heavily regulated for so long we're still in such a great period of learning that there's no telling what it can benefit and i mean i just personally i suffer from terrible migraines and have had relief without having to medicate with an actual you know drug is just fantastic i'm taking an organic natural product For the grandmas that are podcast listeners, explain what a CBD is because somebody is out there trying to Google that action right now and you can make this so much easier for them. So go right ahead. So CBD is a derivative of the hemp plant, hemp in the same plant family as marijuana, although isolated away from all THC. Um, our product specifically that we carry contain cannabinol or cannabinoids, um, actually cannabinol and all minor cannabinoids. So there's like five or six different derivatives of CBD. Um, and it's just a natural substance that comes from the hemp plant. It is, uh, we do a CO2 extraction process just in our company. Um, but it is a naturally occurring substance in your body from head to toe you have your endocannabinoid system it's a series of neurotransmitters that fire like crazy um you naturally produce cbd you just don't produce enough of it and it's a different form it's not exactly cbd but it's so close chemically it's so close it's like one carbon away or something crazy like that so you've got receptors in all different areas of your brain that cause anxiety and stress and depression and insomnia and PTSD and all these crazy things that are debilitating for so many people, they've got these perfect little receptors that are made to help, that are made to take CBD and your body is made to process it and use it to release endorphins and aid your dopamine sensors and all these crazy things. Go to (laughs) projectcbd.org. If you want to know more, it's got... Science articles and everything. It is incredible. And while you're at it, <laughs> check out your CBD store, San Antonio, on Facebook, Instagram. Google it. We're there. I'll ship to you. <laughs> Free shipping. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I, you and I have talked about the fact that I follow a mama on um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram whose mm-hmm. son is on the autistic spectrum. Um, yes. severe, severe, um, nonverbal and, um, how life changing CBD has been for that family. Um, it's been amazing mm-hmm. to watch that process and just see this kid go from 
high anxiety to super, super low anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. Anytime they talk about leaving the house or uh, changing anything up from his normal, it it was so anxiety producing and with CBD, um, just completely different, different situation. Oh yeah. Well, and we've had, and and that's the crazy thing is that, you know, because it's not regulated by the FDA, we can't say it's going to cure things, but we can say we have had so many customers with so many things we would never imagine it Mm -hmm. to help, you know, like, like autistic families. We have, um, a customer that's come in that has a child who's on the spectrum who can't sleep without her hand Mm -hmm. on him where she started, you know, supplementing him with CBD and he's no longer, you know, in a position where he's just beside himself if he's not Mm -hmm. touching her. Yeah, she's able to not have to touch him 24-7. And, of course, it's her child and she loves him and it's fine. But at the same time, it causes him so much stress physiologically, you know, that this has aided in helping him calm down and relax. I can't tell you the number of mommies I've had come in within the last month, you know, wanting to help their child focus without having to supplement them with Adderall or something to help, you know, them focus and pay attention in school, to help their anxiety and their stress when they're studying and, you know, and and the side effects have been measured in children with CBD use up to 1,500 milligrams. And that's a measurement for children in chronic pain from cancer, suffering from severe epilepsy. And it's not something where it's going to make the kid drowsy either. It just helps calm them down and helps their system work better for itself. And it does the same thing in adults. My grandfather takes CBD now daily for a slip disc in his back to manage chronic pain and has noticed the effects of, you know, swelling from arthritis that has been so reduced in the inflammation zones. And my dad has noticed that his work focus has been better. He's been able to target and really hunker down and pay attention in a way that normally he might be trying to distract himself. And he knows that he's not able to distract himself anymore. He's able to focus and get it done. He doesn't have any age-old aches anymore that he was experiencing because he's been supplementing. Wow. And so, you know, it's not just for somebody who's 12. It's not just for somebody who's 22. It's not just for somebody who's 52. It's not just for somebody who's almost 82. It's for everyone in between. And it's just incredible, the movement of this industry and what we learn every day just from our clients and how it's helping just leaps and bounds. Look at you selling it, chick. Look at you. I'm a believer. So, last question: What are you reading or listening to right now that's giving you life? So you'll recognize this. I started. I was really feeling I needed a podcast, another podcast, I should say. <laughs> and S Town fulfilled every podcast I'd ever hoped for. So I started following This American Life and looking for other podcasts to listen to. So I binged serial in I binged every season in three days. I listened to season one one day, season two the next day, and season three the third day. And it was phenomenal. And then I switched to This American Life and have been listening to very little else except for You Were You and This American Life. Well, I love knowing that I'm I'm on the list. (laughs) I will tell you that I listened to a whole... um, no, don't play it. All of a sudden, I hit the wrong button. It's um, it's by uh, WBUR out of Boston. Um, mm-hmm. They do um, oh, they do Modern Love and a whole bunch of other ones. Modern Love, by the way, is excellent. But Last Scene, and it's all about this this um, heist that the these thirteen works of art were stolen and it's like the FBI and all these and it's, it was pretty nifty and I listened to it um, I binged it and then I made Ron listen to it because I didn't have anybody to talk to because mm-hmm. I was like ah! so, oh my god so cool. yeah no I, I instantly finished season one of Serial started season two so season one follows um, gosh season one is the murder of Heyman Lee um 
the young girl from, I think it was Boston, wasn't it? Was it Boston? Yeah, I think it was Boston. Yeah. The murder of Hannah Malina in 1999 and her uh, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, uh, Anand Syed ended up in prison for it, serving life. And this is, you know, in the past now, so he's still in jail today, to my knowledge. Um, so that's season one. Season two is following the dust one. Uh, the Afghans, not Afghan, American soldier in Afghanistan that went AWOL. Mm. Um, yeah, and then season three follows the court system in Ohio, I believe. And so she just went from floor to floor, courtroom to courtroom, just listening in and honing in on different cases and just kind of flipping back and forth as to how the judicial system operates there. Yeah, in Columbus, wow. I think. So well, I've just been hooked. Podcast <laughs> dreams, that's what we'll call that. Mm-hmm. I love you so much, Laurel Brown. I love you more than you love me. I knew you were going to say that. But do you like how I let you? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you fed into it. I took the bait. Oh. It's the truth. Thank you so much for sharing your your story with us. And for um, the way that you love your mom. Um, and share her story. Because... Uh, I know, I know she's proud of you and, um, I'm, I'm just getting to, to watch you live out some of the most amazing things. And I am super excited about what's around the corner for you next. I don't know what it is, but I'm trusting, trusting God with you. We'll figure it out. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I, I hope something discernible comes out of it and I appreciate you letting me share my story. Good luck, Ron. (laughs) Yeah, good luck, Ron. (laughs) Have fun uh, editing that. So, I'll talk to you soon, girly. Love you. This is You Brew You, the podcast with your host, Kim, and our mom, Carrie. The idea for this podcast was brewed over a cup of tea between me, Carson, and my mom. But I drink my share of tea, too. Artwork by Jenna Cook and DMA Designs. Check out her t-shirt designs. Music for this podcast by Tori McClure. When are you going to give us guitar lessons, lady? You Brew You's social media coordinator is Kim Thompson. Someone like Grace out at the back door. Ron Lesnar is the editor. And our data. Special thanks to our podcast very godmother, Sue Jolly. It's always a jolly fun day with Sue. Leave a comment down below and tell us who you'd like the UberU crew to interview next. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UberU. And on our website, UberUPodcast.com. As they say on the Great British Bake Off, ready, ready set, set, set.